Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my guest is Rebecca B. Thompson. Rebecca is the author of Rebecca Rising, How I Found Courage and Self-Love Through Friendship, Coaching, and Conversations with the Moon, a memoir chronicling her healing journey. In addition, she and her friend and colleague, Darlene Ryan, co-authored Sunday at 8.30, Two Decades of Life Planning. This book shares the life planning process Darlene and Rebecca personally used and honed over 20 years and includes helpful worksheets for creating your own life plan. In addition, it offers an eclectic reading list of more than 200 books that the two authors explored together during those years. Rebecca B. Thompson is an experienced speaker, writer, consultant, facilitator, and coach with more than 30 years in manufacturing, aerospace, and healthcare industries. She has been an internal and external consultant for many years working with such companies as Eastman Kodak, General Motors, and Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. For more information, you can visit Rebecca's website, which is www.evolvewithoutlimits.com. Okay, good day, Rebecca. Thanks for joining me today. Robert, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today. I am honored. It is. It is my pleasure, and, and you've got two great books, and we'll be kind of talking about both of them, maybe going back and forth between them, but they're two very good books that I mentioned in the introduction. So, But let's go ahead and, and start a little bit. Um, I, I really didn't give the listeners much of um, an introduction about you know your story, your, your journey, so would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about that so they can get a sense of, of who Rebecca is? Sure. So kind of backing up to the beginning, I started life as a small town girl in Western Pennsylvania and was raised in the Presbyterian church and sang in the choir and all that kind of stuff. And I went off to college at Penn State and I majored in engineering and met my met and then married my college boyfriend. And we moved off to Rochester, New York, where we both got engineering jobs. And we just started kind of living the American dream, you know. Um, He eventually started his own business, and we bought a house and got a dog and literally put up the white picket fence and started raising three kids, and life was just going along fine, just as according to plan until all it wasn't at once it wasn't. And there was a downturn in the economy around that time, and his business started to fail, and unfortunately he began to drink heavily. And so his clients weren't paying their bills, and we weren't paying our bills. 
um, he ended up having to close his business and get a job, and we ended up moving out of state. And he, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be a fresh start. You know, things are going to be fine now. It's going to be great. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And he ended up getting two DUIs, and he lost one job and then another. And everything seemed to be spiraling out of control, even though I continued to maintain my career and manage the household. But I was getting more and more unhappy and frustrated and just really feeling powerless and stuck. And kind of in the midst of that, I started on what I later saw as a spiritual journey. And, you know, at the time, I just didn't even have the language for that. But looking back, that is what I would call it, definitely a spiritual journey or healing journey. And that's really what my book is about. Yeah. Um, So now you, um, in the introduction, I um, indicated that you've been an internal, external consultant for some, you know, very major firms, Eastman Kodak, General Motors, and that kind of thing. So how did you go from someone um, with that kind of um, view or or worldview um, to conversations with the moon goddess or conversations (laughs) with the moon? Right? I know. Pretty pretty uh, radical. <laughs> a little <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> yeah, a little dramatic. A little dramatic. It wasn't anything that I expected to do, that is for sure. And it and it definitely did not happen overnight. And it really started with, you know, I said we had made a move out of state for my now ex-husband's job. And it just really started with me trying to meet people and get established in my new community. And um, so I joined a church. I ended up joining the Unitarian Universalist Church at that time and um, kind of opened me up to some new ideas. It was a, a little bit different than the Presbyterian Church I had been attending before. And um, every experience that I had, it was, it was like a pearl on a string. You know, one thing just kind of led to another. Uh-huh. And I'd say the very first thing that I did was go to a dowsing class, and I had never heard of dowsing. I I had no background in anything metaphysical whatsoever, zero. And, you know, we, my daughter and I were doing some volunteer work with this woman. Again, we were just trying to meet people. And so we were doing some volunteer work at a cat shelter, and um, we ended up um, being invited to this class by this woman, and we we liked her, and we thought, sure, why not? And had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But we got to our house, and um, for any of your listeners who might not know, dowsing is a form of divination where you're, you can use a pendulum or you can use dowsing rods. And in this case, we used dowsing rods, and she gave each participant a set of, of a pair of rods. You hold one in each hand, and they're um, a rod that's on a handle, and they swing freely, and you, you can use them to ask a yes or no question, and they'll move in different ways, indicating a yes or no. Each person has their own unique uh, way that the rods will move for them. So she gave us these rods and told us to kind of go off in a corner and, and find our own yes or no. Well, I just was... <laughs> I, I was nothing. Hey, what? <laughs> you know, I was like uh-huh. totally my radar screen. I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't have superpower. I thought you had to have some kind of special powers, you know, to do stuff uh-huh. like this. Yeah. I don't have these powers and this is not going to work. That was my biggest fear is just that I was going to be embarrassed right. because it wasn't work. Right. So I, but I'm a dutiful person go off in the corner with my rods. And I thought, all right, I'm going to play with them for a couple minutes and it's not going to work and then I'll just go back to the host and say thank you very much but this isn't me you know and I would go home you know I'd gather up my daughter yeah, and me. Yeah. well what happened instead was that I took the rods into my 
corner and I started asking, you know, what's my yes? And sure enough, the rods moved in a particular way. And I thought, oh, I, I did it myself. I just wiggled them or something. But it was repeatable over and over and over. And then I asked for a no and they moved in a completely different way. And again, it was repeatable. It wasn't something I was doing. And I think that was the moment, Robert, when I was hooked on energy work yeah. and just that, that something was happening that was outside of myself I wasn't making this happen, and I just knew at that moment that I wanted to learn more. Yeah, so, no, that, that's the thing that seems to happen is whenever you have that personal experience that, that um, you know, that is, can't be explained, you know, that's when people then, I think, you know, start to, you know, at least people who are open to or who are curious would be able to um, think and begin to explore what, what, that's possible. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think, um, you know, my ability to go on this journey was all hinged on my uh, my willingness to be open-minded, you know, <laughs> to some of this stuff. Right. Um, you know, and then I just went on from there. At the end of that class, I was invited to a Reiki class, and I went on through the Reiki training and became a Reiki master. I was invited to classes to become a crystal therapist i was invited to be part of a group that learned about shamanic journeying so just what one thing led to another and it just really began to open me up to new ideas new ways of thinking and new ways of thinking about myself because i said you know earlier that i had been feeling very stuck in the way my life was going and in my relationship and you know i just didn't know what to do about that. But I started to see new possibilities for myself. Uh, you know, that, that's great. Now, the Rebecca Rising is a memoir. And so would, what um, led you to to write the book? I mean, putting yourself out there like that. Yeah, right. Um yeah, I well, uh, we will also talk about our, my other book, Sunday at Eight Thirty, which I wrote with a friend, right. and we had started writing mm-hmm. that. Um, we started writing that a number of years ago, and little by little, and weren't making a lot of progress in it. But um, one of the things my co-author Darlene Ryan wanted me to write about for that book was my spiritual journey, and because that book is about a life planning process and we look at seven different right. categories of life spiritual being one of them. And so she was curious, <laughs> quite honestly, she was a little bit uh, skeptical <laughs> and uncertain <laughs> about the kind uh-huh. of things I was doing because it was outside her comfort right. zone. And I think honestly that she wanted me to write about it so that she could read it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> more than anything. Uh-huh. so it was kind of, but um, she asked me to write a chapter about my spiritual journey, and I started writing it, and you know, I said to her, you know what, I think this is more than a chapter. I think this is a book. And she said, yeah, go for it. And then I went to a writing workshop, and I was, you know, at that time I was just writing about my spiritual journey. And as I've been telling you, hey, I went to a Dowsing class, and I went to a Reiki class, blah, blah, blah. And I met a writing coach at this workshop, and she read my stuff, and she said, this is all well and good, but I really want to know, what's behind this? Why? Why were you doing all this stuff? And I hadn't gotten into anything about the alcoholism and the moving and the job changes and the financial problems. And so when I started to add that, it gave it a whole different dimension. And I realized that it really was about my finding my personal power and finding the strength to end this relationship, which was no longer serving anyone well. And um, so that added to the spiritual journey, you know, is really what the book came to be about. 
And, and I did it because I was hoping to help anyone else who might be feeling powerless and stuck in their life, whether it's due to an alcoholic marriage or whatever your circumstances might be, if there's some way that my story might help someone else realize that you can become unstuck and that you have more power than you know. Yeah, that that is critical. And, and you know, and I can understand, I mean, I can see that um, that dimension that was added when you put in the the difficult side of the journey. And, you know, I think, you know, really that is, I think one of the most valuable part. I mean, it's the most personal and it's kind of like yeah. the most like, what am I going to do? What am I doing? But it's the one, like you say, you know, that there are people out there who may find themselves in very similar situations and um, it's important for them to see an example of someone who had those challenging experiences and shifted things around, you know, and that in in conjunction with the um, the Sunday at eight thirty book about the planning, that kind of really adds a, a good roadmap for people to be able to go from point A to point B. Um, now, with memoirs, as I mentioned, you know, some challenging times, and um, one of the things I often wonder about is how did writing that memoir. Um, how did uh, your family respond to you putting that together and putting it out there? You know, you have children, um, three children, yes. I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So uh, tell us about, you know, what, what was that like when you maybe let them know that this is what you're going to write about and it was not going to be, you know, sugar-coated? Yeah, they were very nervous, I would have to say. Um, and they have uh-huh. been incredible supportive of me, you know, throughout this whole journey of ending the marriage. And, you know, they were like, mom, you know, whatever you need to do. And and they, you know, kids are smart and they can see what's going on in the home. And, you know, we've been trying to keep things as normal as possible for them um, for years, but um, they, they were ready for it to be over as well. And um, so they were supportive about everything I had done. And then when I started writing about it, however, that's a little (laughs) different. All right. Like what you're going to, you know, Uh we've spent, years keeping secrets in our home, right? And not wanting people to know, you know, this is going on. We're living with an alcoholic and everything that goes with that. Um, So they knew I was writing it, but they didn't want to talk about it. And I even offered them drafts to read, and they didn't want to read them. Let's just pretend this isn't going on, la, 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 la. um, But after it came out, um, I know they all read it kind of covertly. (laughs) They would, like, drop little (laughs) hints that were in the book. It was really pretty funny. Uh But they've they've been tremendously supportive. They've and I intentionally didn't put a whole lot of what was going on with them in the book because that wasn't my story to tell. I focused on what was happening to me, what I was doing, what I was thinking. And they were in the book, they're characters of course, they're a huge part of my life, but I, I wasn't trying to dwell on their stories. That's really them for them to tell. And I didn't want to harm them in any way or embarrass them uh, any, yeah. any more than to. Um, but they, they've been tremendously supportive, and they've even listened to some of the interviews that I've done and commented on them. So um, it's it's all it's right. all going well with them. Yes. Well, good. Yeah, because you know it, you can understand you want to um, honor their you know their privacy, their journey, and and um, you know and I can understand just kind of keeping it as um, keeping the, the story focused on you as, as much as possible. Um, now, uh, the the cover of your book, 
I just I kind of wanted to mention that before we go into a little bit more. You know, I you know when when it comes to um, authoring a book, a couple of the most important decisions one makes is the title and the cover. And um, obviously, with um, Rebecca Rising, we can kind of understand you know that you know when when you read through the book. But the cover is just a, a unique cover, and it has a. a uh, uh, I think a, a nice story with with you and Margaret Miller. Would, would you mind sharing with the listeners a, a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Margaret Miller is one of my dear friends that I worked with some years ago, and she's also an artist. And um, she had shared with me several years ago what she calls a healing hand. She Her brother was in the hospital with a serious illness, and she was going out of town, so she wanted to leave a part of herself with him while he was in the hospital. So she traced his hand, and then she filled that tracing with lots of little um, little figures, pictures, uh, and symbols of things that reminded her of her brother and her relationship with him. And she left that with him while he was in the hospital, and she was away. And she believed that that was really part of his healing process, and she's made them for other people. And I just thought the one she made for her brother was just so beautiful, and it just was very moving to me. And when I started thinking about the cover of my book, I thought about that healing hand, and healing hands are very important to me as a Reiki master. I mean, that's part of what I do. Mm. And so I asked her if she would create a healing hand for me for the cover of my book. So she read the book. And then she actually, she lives in Baltimore. I live in Southern California. She came out to Southern California because she wanted to physically trace my hand for herself and, you know, really feel my energy. Trace my hand. And then based on um, images that came up for her when she read the book, she filled that tracing with different images. And so you see there's a bear. I talk about um, an experience mm-hmm. in the book of, of meeting a spirit animal that was a bear um, and about the goddess Diana, so she's got a moon. Um, she's got a uh, like a, a goddess, a huntress with the head of a moon with arrows. Like the, and she's also the goddess of the hunt as well as being the goddess of the moon. And so just all kinds of imagery that came to Margaret as she was reading the book. Um, she put into that drawing, and I think it's very beautiful. And I, I see new things in it when I look at it myself. Yeah, it's uh, it is loaded <laughs> with imagery, so and it's that's good. It's a it's a fun thing. So I, anyway, I just wanted to make a special note because it's a very pretty, very attractive cover. Um, oh, thank you. So you're welcome, and pass on my my congrats to Margaret too. That it's it's a it's a, I, I like her approach to to the, her artwork. So and she now, is available to hands for others as well. If anybody wanted to okay. get her. So yeah, that it's just a delightful thing to have. Perfect, perfect. So now I want to talk just a, a, a couple of things about just about the process of, of writing the memoir and and um, and then your experience. Now, the, when you're going through and writing um, those experiences that were you know painful or difficult, what <laughs> was your um, what was your feeling about what kind of what did going through and retelling that story do for you? And recognizing too that by putting it in there, when you do interviews like you're doing right now, you're going to be talking about it again. So, um, <laughs> so tell us kind of about you know because if people are out there wondering should I should I do this, um, mm-hmm. tell us about your experience about you know reliving those those painful memories. 
Yeah, it is actually painful to go through that again. Um, I have kept journals for years, and so I had a lot of stuff written down already, but, of course, I had to go back through and read that. And um, certainly some of it was painful to relive. Some of it was embarrassing um, in the sense that I put up with and tolerated some of the things I did for so long. Um, And, you know, it, it made me feel... Wow, put me kind of back in that powerless place. Like, wow, why did you, you know, stay there? And looking back, I was a very different person than I am today. And so it, it's surprising in some ways. Like, wow, is that mm-hmm. really who I was? So it's kind of it's humbling and embarrassing and painful, and yet also cathartic, you know. And I, as a result, have been able to release a lot of that pain uh, that I carried. And so, you know, I I can talk about these things now and really not feel that emotional Mm -hmm. angst that I used to feel. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's great to be able to have that cathartic effect. Um, So now uh, you you mentioned about why, you know, why did I stay there for so long? I mean, (laughs) tell us about, you know that was a it was Becky. <laughs> Tell us, you know, about why Becky stayed, you know, in that situation. What, what was the what was the thought process? I think there were a number of things, Robert. I think part of it was I was raised with a belief system that you stay married for life and you stand by your man no matter what. You know, so I really, you know, was was kind of living with that um, belief system. Um, plus I was trying to keep things as normal as possible for my kids, you know, and, and we already had moved to another state and, you know, I didn't want to break up the family and, you know, all of these things. Um, I think there was another part of it that was, um, when we would move or he'd get a new job or something would happen, I would think, well, this is a fresh start, you know, everything's going to be great now, you know, (laughs) so maybe it was denial or optimism or whatever, but there was a piece of that in I think another huge piece of it was just my own lack of confidence. I had never lived on my own. We got married right out of college. So I'd gone from my parents' home to college to, you know, living with my husband and just had never even had the experience of of living on my own. And I was afraid and I didn't think I could do it. And I have friends now. I had friends then that said, why don't you just leave? I can't. I can't. So listen Mm -hmm. to what I'm telling myself, right? You know, (laughs) that's the story I'm telling myself. I can't. Um, So I think that was a a big part of it. And, you know, I have friends, the the same friends now say they would get so frustrated with me when I would say I can't because if you – look at yourself, you're already doing it. You're managing the household, you're raising the kids, you're handling your career, and yet you're saying you can't make it on your own and you already are, <laughs> you know. Um, but when you're in the middle of it, you can't see it. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one, you know, it really is. And, and you know, I'm of the belief that, you know, when the time happens and when time is right, you know, things will happen. And, you know, and, and I, I noticed that, um, certain there are certain activities, certain things have to occur before that change happens. And, and then, like in your case, it would be that strengthening of self-image to be able to recognize that I could do it myself. And you know, and um, so you know, I, I'm sure each journey is different for everyone. You know, and and uh, you know, it's just important. I think that you know, if people are out there, you know, trying to help friends, you know 
you know, be uh, be supportive and then kind of make the changes that it would be good for them, but you know, that they think would be good for them. Um, then it's, mm-hmm. it's really important to just kind of uh, just be the support for that and and without judgment too. You know that you know because yes. I'm sure there are a lot of people that were like you know you should do it and then you saying you can probably frustrated a lot of people who you know felt that you you know seeing you felt that you could. Mm-hmm. But I had to believe it for myself. And it, it's just right. as you say, yeah. everybody has to do things in their own timing. And I had to come to that timing. And, and it took a long time. And maybe that it was longer than it would be for a lot of other people, you know. But that's okay. You know, I did it I did it the yeah. way I had to do it. Yep. And, you know, and I, I'm of, of the belief, too, that, you know, certain things have to happen. I mean, you have to live. It's kind of like you have to live the the book you're going to write. <laughs> you know, you got to live it first, <laughs> you know, before you can write it. <laughs> so, uh, well, gosh, uh, we're about halfway through the show, Rebecca. So I want to take just a quick break, and I do want to invite listeners. If you would like to call in and ask Rebecca any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. Or for those listening live in the chat room, feel free to um, pose a question there. And then when we come back from uh, break, Rebecca, um, I want to kind of move on to talking a little bit about gardening and, uh, and Sunday at 830. Okay? Okay, good. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Rebecca B. Thompson, and we're talking about her two books, Rebecca Rising, How I Found Courage and Self-Love Through Friendship, Coaching, and Conversations with the Moon, as well as the book that she co-wrote with Darlene Ryan called Sunday at 8.30, Two Decades of Life Planning. And again, you can find out more by visiting Rebecca's website, which is evolvewithoutlimits.com. And on that webpage, you'll be able to see the different services that she provides, as well as the blog, books, and um, also links to her social um, uh, social media as well. So with that, we're back, Rebecca. Hi, Robert. Glad to be back. Hey there. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Darlene, um, Darlene Bryan, um, she's the co-author of Sunday at 830. So tell us a bit about 
your story with Darlene. Yeah, so Darlene and I became friends. We were both young moms, and we were both working at Eastman Kodak as industrial engineers. And we started doing things together outside of work with our kids. We each had three, and they were roughly the same ages. And at some point, uh, we took a course in life planning, and Kodak allows us to take lots of training. And the, the main objective of this course was called the High Achievers Process, and it was really about getting more done and being more productive and, you know, accomplishing more work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was a work-sponsored course, so, of course, that's what it was about. Um, but we took this course, and we realized that we could apply it to all areas of our life. And so we started using our what we learned and created a life plan for ourselves every year. And it was easy to meet and talk about it because we worked together and, and we lived in the same city. And then um, after a few years, I moved out of state. As I said, I started having these issues, you know, with my husband losing jobs and things like that. So um, I was moving out of state and we didn't know what was going to happen to our process and to our relationship and you know, we're saying goodbye and we're crying. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, I, we made a pact on that day when I was moving that we would talk on the phone every week and we would continue with our life planning process and with our friendship. And we have kept that pact for nearly 20 years, and, which is amazing in itself. And that's where the the title of the book, Sunday at 830, just kind of fell into place because we, through some trial and error, that is the day and time that emerged as the best time for us to stay in touch. So without fail, Sunday evenings, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, um, we are talking on the phone. And pretty much, I mean, we've trained our families to the point where, hey, Mom, you know, it's almost 8.30. Are you going to call Darlene? You know, I mean, it's like that. We plan around <laughs> it. And um, mm-hmm. so it's it's been a significant part of my life. And so in my care, in my um, book, Rebecca Rising, um, a lot of those Sunday evening conversations show up where I'm telling her the story of some of these things that have been going on in my life. And she responds with her support and friendship. And so we go on a, a retreat every year now, now that we don't live in the same city. We still meet at least once a year, sometimes twice, uh, where we plan um, goals in these different areas of our lives and um, put to, and we review what we have done the previous year and put together a plan and set goals and, and discuss progress throughout the year on our Sunday evening calls. So it's just wonderful to have a, a lifelong friend like that and um, that level of support and commitment from someone else. It's just really helped me to, to get through some of these difficult times in my life. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it does. Now, um, when you're talking about life planning, um, and, and I was reading in, in the book a little bit, you, you mentioned it as being, it's about living life intentionally. So can you tell us a little bit, I mean, we all plan, we all plan, and, and you know, a lot of people's plans have really kind of been shot you know, over the, this year. Um, so tell us about, um, you know, the the kind of things that you plan for and and what did you do when the plan took turns or, or the plan mm-hmm. didn't unfold as, an, as expected? So, tell, you know, because, I mean, People are out there planning and want to plan, but but then again, there's you know life, <laughs> you know interferes. Um, so yeah. so tell us about how you and Darlene dealt with that. Yeah, and absolutely, you're right. You can plan all you want, but life doesn't 
go according to plan. And, you know, there's that (laughs) quote, right? Life is what happens when you're making other plans or something like that. Um, And that is absolutely true. And, you know, when we started following this process, I mean, we were both just kind of living the life and raising our kids. And we, so part of our process is to just brainstorm, what are all the things that you'd like to be, do, or have? And we come up with as many as 400 things. And it's just kind of to a brain dump, you know, to kind of get everything out there right. that you, you that's even ever crossed your mind. And it, it's everything from buy new socks to, you know, climb Mount Everest, you know what I mean? It's like, and everything in between is right. just a, a list. And then um, we, we write a vision statement for ourselves for five years in the future. And early on, these vision statements were just, you know, all our kids are going to be five years older. We're going to be five years older. We're going to, everything's going to be fine. We're going to be a little ahead in our careers. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It didn't really mm-hmm. deviate <laughs> very much. Um, but then, as you say, life started to happen and um, different, you know, I went through the experiences I did. Darlene lost a child. I mean, lots of things. Um, and so, you know, I think I think you have to be uh, recognized that we're here to learn lessons, right? And so we, you can't plan everything out. It would be boring. It would be like going to a football game and already knowing <laughs> all the plays and the outcome uh-huh. of the game. Oh, it's, yeah. What's exciting don't really know what's going to happen and yet you cheer still cheer for your team you know um so so just recognizing that that life is full of unexpected surprises and unexpected turns some good some bad but we're going to learn something from all of those and apply it at our retreat every year we the first thing we do is review um what happened and it's all celebratory it's if if we didn't meet a goal I mean we don't even talk about that we just talk about what did we accomplish and how great that we got all this stuff um that we had all these experiences and and um that we got all this stuff done that and not necessarily the things that we thought we were going to do but but the things that we did we just celebrate it and we feel that by being intentional having a plan that that you're going to approach you're putting your intentions out in the universe right of what you hope to see um and you know, sometimes you manifest that and sometimes the divine has other plans for you but you can always learn something from it and just celebrate what did come along because sometimes it's even better than what you expected or completely completely unexpected <laughs> um in good ways mm-hmm. and so, so uh, i think it's just, so we we have some of that in the book the book is a how-to um, we talk about the actual process that we use, and in the paperback version, there are even worksheets in the back that people could fill in. They'd start to use this process for themselves. And then we each write a chapter on each of the seven areas of life and something that we may have set a goal around and kind of how that went. <laughs> you know, sometimes it was according to plan and sometimes yeah. it wasn't. You know, but we just put in some examples in each of the seven areas and from each of our perspectives. And um, then, as I said, we have our worksheets. And another thing that we do every year is read books together. And that's just kind of evolved, that part of the mental category. And mental could be like taking a class, learning something new, um, all kinds of things. And it, for us, it evolved into let's let's pick some books we're going to read. And it can be, again, all over the map. And doing this process now for over 20 years, we have about – uh, well over 200 books on our list. I think there's maybe around 240 of list of books that we've read together. Well, we didn't necessarily like them all. I'm not saying we endorse <laughs> uh-huh. all of these books. Right. But we have an we have an appendix in our book that is all the books 
that we've read over the years. And so we've had people tell us that just getting that list of books was worth the price of the book. Cause just, wow, a list of 240 books to read. Um, so it's <laughs> yeah. kind of fun. And it's all over, it's all over the map from, we started out with work related books and, you know, then we went on to like Stephen Covey and, um, you know, stuff like Conversations with God and um, the wow. Bible. It was two solid years reading the Bible. And, wow. you know, wow. all kinds of, you know, all over. Or the Da Vinci Code and or Jane Eyre, you know, <laughs> novels sometimes or classics. So it's, it's all over the map. But um, it's it's been a lot of fun. And we've learned a lot of different yeah. things. And it is a diverse group. No, that is for sure. And <laughs> some everyone would be able to find at least 10 books <laughs> that that would interest them. So oh. at least, you know, so, I mean, it, it's just one of those, again, because of that diversity, it, you know, I'm sure you'll capture a lot of people. Um, now, one of the main characters um, is your coaching buddy, Anne, or is it Anne? Mm-hmm. Anne, yeah. Um, tell us about her and how coaching um, was part of your journey. Sure. So, yeah, so we haven't talked really a lot about my career, but during this whole time period of of going through these job changes and so on with my husband, I was still working as an engineer, and then I went into a a, a field called organization development, um, which is about team building and leadership development and really helping the uh, human side of an organization to be healthy and whole. And one of the the technologies we used was coaching, so a one-on-one process for just drawing out the best out of people. And um, so I was asked to lead a coaching function in an organization where I was working, and so I went off to take some training to become a better coach. And I met this woman. Her name is Ann Brannon, and she just was the most interesting person. As I said, you know, I'd, I'd never been exposed to anything metaphysical or, you know, I had kind of a narrow upbringing as small-town Protestant girl, and she just was completely different. She's a practicing witch. She also was a recovering alcoholic, so she could really relate on some of the things I was going through with alcoholic husband. Um, she was a, a professor of medieval history and um, literature, and just, like, very different from me, just, like, a lot of different perspectives. <laughs> and, um, so she just uh, became, um, in, in the coaching program, we spent a lot of time coaching each other in pairs. And so she and I were just paired up a lot and became very good friends as a result of this. And we haven't really talked so much about the conversations with the moon um, aspect of my book title, which are a lot of people are curious about. And I was going through this decision process that once again, we had already moved to one state um, my now ex had asked me to move to another state and t- he was going to take on a new job there because he had lost a job. And I was just was trying to sort out all these voices in my head, right, that were, some were saying you should stay, some were saying you should go. And what happened was one night my dog woke me up in the night, and um, which was very unusual, but we went outside and there's this big full moon, and I don't know what else to say other than it sounded like it was talking to me. It was a voice in my head, but it was coming from the moon, and the moon said to me, you're missing the point. And I thought, what the heck? Again, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> uh-huh, about these uh-huh. And the moon went on to say, you're missing the point. It's not about 
what you do. It's not about what nice suburb you're going to live in and, you know, the pros and cons of that. It's about how do you want to feel and who do you want to be in this world? And so, you know, instead of just listing all the logic of pros and cons and what you should do and what's your mother going to say and, you know, all that kind of stuff, listen to your heart. Slow down. Listen to your heart. And so I went on to have a lot of these different conversations with the moon, and I thought I thought it was crazy, partly, you know, but yet it was very real to me. It was very valuable, but I thought, who can I tell? Because my at that time, for me, was she was a little worried about some of the stuff I was doing, and um, uh-huh. I didn't want to overburden her with this. I didn't want to weird her out, as I would have said. Um, so I'm I'm not telling Darlene all these things about the moon or you know wacko stuff I was doing. And so I thought, who can I tell? And I thought I got to tell Anne because she is somebody who will get me. She will get this. So. Um, Mm -hmm. I told her, and her immediate reaction was, oh, well, you're talking to Diana, the goddess of the moon. That was, I mean, it seemed like perfectly natural to her. And here I am thinking I had, I was nuts, you know. And she she just, hey, the dog was waking you up. Uh, She's working through your dog. And that makes sense because the goddess of the moon, um, Diana or Artemis, is also the goddess of the hunt. And she is often depicted with Mm. her dogs hunting dogs and I was like then this was just so obvious to her <laughs> so um it was very um comforting to me you know to have uh, an explanation for this that didn't seem crazy it just seemed perfectly normal and uh, you know as, as time has gone on I've come to see that there are many faces to the divine and that however we yeah. can connect with it is is right for us and you know whether it's Jesus or Mary or Kuan Yin or through nature, through the moon or a goddess or God or, you know, through, through the ocean or trees, you know, that if we're connecting, if we're connecting to something sacred to spirit, then that's a beautiful thing, no matter how that looks. Yeah, I, I agree with you there that it's, um, it can come in so many different forms and it's about as unique as the, as the individual. Um, now, I understand that um, Diana said something about uh, going to a concert. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of specific. <laughs> yes, it just it was kind of a funny story because, um, yes, I, I you know, I continue to have these ongoing conversations every few days for a while and um, learning so much just about how to treat myself and self-love and listening to my heart and all of these things. And one of the things that was going on was Barry Manilow. I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina. Barry Manilow was coming to town and I couldn't get anybody to go to this concert with me. And uh, my ex now, I was still married to him, but he was in another city four hours away and he would come home on the weekends and we would spend the weekend together. And then during the week he would go off to this job and I was still trying to decide if I wanted to move there. But um, Barry Manilow was playing that weekend and I, 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 it would never have occurred to me to go without my husband or go by myself. So I just thought, okay, I don't get to go to this concert because he wouldn't, he didn't want to go. Well, he had called me the night before and said he wasn't coming home for the weekend because he had to work. He had a project to get done. and But it, the concert never even entered my mind again. But I was out having my conversations with Diana, and I said, anything else before I go back in the house? And she said, yes, there may still be Barry Manilow tickets available. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
craziest thing. So I, I went in the house and I immediately got on my laptop and sure enough, I got this ticket. I went by myself. It was a ticket in the fifth row for only $50. Wow. And it was, yeah. it was fabulous. And I, it was just, I had so much fun and it just was a lesson to me. And, you know, again, um, you know, who cares if other people don't want to go, you know, <laughs> do something for yourself once in a while. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, especially women with families, you know, doing things for yourself um, quite often takes a back seat to doing things for your um, your spouse or your children. So, um, and that's that's one thing that I think um, women really kind of should, you know, give attention to, recognizing that, um, you know, their um, happiness and joy singularly um, should get the proper attention. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Robert. I think, you know, we're raised to feel that it's selfish, to do something for ourselves, you know, and that everybody else's needs, we should put them first, whether it's our children or our job or our husband or our aging parents. So, you know, it would just taught that it's selfish if we, if we put ourselves and our needs or our desires first. And, um, but I have learned too, that you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So you have to, you have to take care of yourself in order to have something left to give to others. Yeah, exactly. That is so so true. Now, um, we, I mentioned earlier um, about Becky and Rebecca, and and I've had one of these kinds of stories too myself. So I want to, but I want to hear yours first. Um, you oh, changed, cool. yeah, you know, sure. from going by Becky to Rebecca. So tell us about you know when when that happened and, and why you made the shift. Yeah. So I my given name is Rebecca, and I'd always gone by Becky ever since I was a little girl. But um, I started to just feel this pull, you know, that I wanted to be called Rebecca. And it came up a couple times. I saw in the book, I I went to one of these classes that I was taking, and they asked me my name, and I said Becca and not Becky. And at that time, that that just came out of my mouth. And then I sort of forgot, like later on in the class, somebody said, oh, tell me your name again. And I said, Becky, and not thinking, I already said Becca, and someone else in the group said, I thought you said your name was Becca, you know, so then I felt like an idiot, right? <laughs> so awkward. Uh-huh. Awkward. Yeah, so it was a little yeah. bumpy. I was a little bumpy. Um, but then I, I moved to California, you know, from Raleigh, North Carolina. And when I came over, you know, I, I was getting divorced. I was moving across the country. I changed jobs. I, mean, I really changed my whole life. And I wanted to honor that. Really, I just wanted to honor that transformation with a new name, and so um, I ultimately asked in my at my workplace. I asked them to start calling me Rebecca, and it, now I never even think of myself as Becky at all. Yeah, and so yeah, it was with mine. It was you know, of course, my given name was Robert, um, but growing mm-hmm. up, it was either if it was family, it was Bobby, everybody else was Bob. You know, and, and it really went on, you know, Bob for years, but. Um, one thing I noticed probably when I was in my thirties or forties that um there would be some people that I would be introduced as as Bob, but every time I interacted with them, they would say robert and, I, and, and, and yeah it was you know and i've been uh, rob Robert you know just like so many derivations. But um, and, and I and it was interesting because I you know it was it, there were like 
maybe three different people who consistently said Robert. And so finally I, I was kind of like, I sat back and I was examining, you know, why? <laughs> why would that, you know? Yeah. And it, what was interesting was is that I recognized that every time I talked to those people, they, our conversations were always on a different level. I mean, they were always um, kind of philosophical, thoughtful, you know, very, you know, kind of intuitive types of discussions. And and I thought, well, this is just really interesting, you know. And um, in 2010, when I started the radio show, um, it was like, okay, um, what what kind of energy do I want to put forth, you know, and, um, and it was then that I, you know, I just kind of, you know, recollected back and thinking, you know, people who, the conversations I had with people that, that were Robert, that was always that higher level, you know, it's kind of like they were talking to me at a, um, you know, kind of like the higher self, in a way. not, you know, but just that yeah. higher level. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. that's, the kind of thing I want to put out. So then I made the conscious decision that when I, you know, did the show, it was going to be Robert, you know, and, and, and if people call me Bob, that's cool, you know, no big deal, or, or Rob. I mean, I go, like I say, I'm not really that tied to, you know, a name. Um, but um, what's interesting now, you know, is after, you know, 10 years, um, I would say that the number of people who know me as Bob is almost insignificant <laughs> to the number of people who know me as Robert. And um, so I just think that it's, it's kind of funny because it, it's just been um, it, it taps into for, for me it taps into that uh, that higher view of mm. you know of whatever kind of discussion that, that I'm having and 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 it's funny because you know the, the couple I mean the the people who call me Bob now and I I laugh because I look at our conversations and they're truly at that another level I mean they're more of a living life in the moment kind of conversations, you know? So um, anyway, yeah. I just, I just think that's interesting, you know, that uh, the difference now, there are people who will say, I hate it when people quote, change their name or, or what they go by. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but I just laugh because it's like, you know, that's, that's okay. I mean, it's, to me, it's all about the vibration that we put forth, you know, and the name does a whole, a whole lot of that. Yes, it's amazing the energetic difference and that a name makes. So that's yeah. that's so yeah. cool that you went as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, okay. So gosh, we're we're getting down toward the end of the show. Um, one of the things before we go, you know, you have obviously gone through quite a um, a journey from um, that uh, that restrictive kind of life to one where you're living more freely and, and intentionally um, for the people out there who are in that spot where Becky was, you know, where there's maybe they have an alcoholic spouse or, or they're, they're feeling stuck or you mentioned powerlessness um, people who may be experiencing that, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, I'd say one of the things is trust yourself. You have all the answers within and whether you want to call it your own higher power, your higher self, or God, the universe, you know, trust, trust your own inner guidance. And 
for me, I, you know, I had to surrender to my higher power. Um, and as we said earlier, you know, your higher power, the divine can have many faces. And I found several that resonate with me. So whatever resonates with you, you know, I just encourage people to, to find that higher power within themselves and to listen to it, surrender to it. That's one thing. I would also say slow down, decide anything or do anything right away. Um, and, you know, as we said, there's, there's right timing, you know, and it's different for everybody. So don't, don't let other people's expectations, you know, make you feel rushed or make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Um, just take care of yourself and take action when the time feels right. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks you should do or wants you to do. And I'd also say don't go it alone. That's one of the messages that I heard from the moon, from Diana. And, you know, I've just been very, very fortunate in my own life to have friends like Anne and friends like Darlene and um, to find that support, whether it's your friends or family or your a church community or a coach, you know, but somebody that can support you and, and help you through what it is you're going through. And then I can't overstress uh, the whole aspect of loving yourself. And, you know, to me, when I was in all this, that seemed like such a big concept. It was almost overwhelming to even think about loving myself. Like, what does that even mean? But it was baby steps. So if if it seems overwhelming to you, you know, just, just find some small way to honor your own needs, whether it's taking the time to take a bubble bath or take a walk or, you know, learn to say no. Um, that can be very hard for people, especially women. And then finally, just notice what it is that you love to do and do more of that, right? What are the things that just really light you up or make you feel great and just make time in your day to do something that lights you up and, and that that will raise your vibration. That will just make you feel better and you'll attract more of that to yourself. So that was a lot, but... But that well, would be no. It's, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are those are you know important parts because again, like you say, the um, it's it's hard sometimes to you know see the light. You know, when you think that there are no um, no options for you to, to follow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well. Well, I really enjoyed our chat today, Rebecca. It's really been a lot of fun. And now I do want to let people know, too, that um, on your website, evolvewithoutlimits.com, um, at the top of the website, uh, there is uh, there are links to your various um, social media accounts. So if people want to join you there, and we're, we're connected on Facebook, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, that connection. is, um, And uh, then you also have uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, so people can join you on those. Um, I'm, I really want to thank you for your time. You know, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Robert. It was my very great pleasure to be your guest. I've enjoyed it very much, and I hope that your listeners will stop by my website and enjoy hearing from them, and it was my pleasure to be here today. Great. Thank you. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Rebecca B. Thompson, and we've been talking about her journey as well as the books, Rebecca Rising, How I Found Courage and Self-Love, through Friendship, Coaching, and Conversations with the Moon, and also the book that she co-authored with Darlene Ryan, uh, which is called Sunday at 8.30, Two Decades of Life Planning. 
Um, and in, in that book, uh, she does have wonderful references for people to uh, to go through and do your planning, as well as those references on the books that we mentioned. Um, again, you can find out more by visiting Rebecca's website, which is evolvewithoutlimits.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.